On Hit 92.9. Luis Navia was a cocaine trafficker for nearly 25 years for the deadliest Colombian and Mexican cartels. He spent five years in jail before beginning a new career in construction as well as his own consulting business for private clients. He also liaises with the US government in regards to anti-narcotics law enforcement. His story is now immortalised in the book Pure Narco. Please welcome Luis Navia. Hey, good morning. Now, Luis, tell us, why did you decide to finally tell your, uh, your story? Well, I always wanted to do it. I uh, just, you know, right after I got out, I started uh, my own construction business, and that took up a lot of time. Years went by, which were actually good years because they gave me time to reflect on everything, put everything into context. I just didn't want to write it right coming out of mm-hmm. jail. I wrote part of it while I was in, in prison. So it worked out fine, and then I hooked up with this great writer, Jesse Fink. It's okay. really difficult to put 25 years together, and uh, he's, he's got the mind that works that way. Mate, the, uh, so drug trafficking, and you, you, you dealt with the, the biggest cartels in the world. How did you get into drug dealing? What was the day that you started uh, to get involved with the, the cocaine trafficking? Well, the cocaine trafficking uh, actually happened when I met uh, this girl that she was hooked up with the, Mex- uh, with the Medellin cartel. Yeah. Right. That's when it got into the big leagues, let's yep. say. Before, it was just a little bit here and there at Georgetown, and when I was a disc jockey at 96X, or uh, worked in the accounting department, but worked with the, all the disc jockeys. But big time was through the girl I met. Right. Are you, were you worried about, um, I mean, obviously telling your life story and obviously you know telling things that had happened in those 25 years? Are you worried that there's going to be any retaliation from that? Not really. The only thing I'm worried about is losing my anonymity. Yep. You know, I've always been anonymous. Yep. And now suddenly my name's out there. That's hard to get used to. Mate, the pa- Pablo Escobar is someone we, we know over here in Australia purely through, um, obviously, his works and TV shows and that sort of stuff. What was your relationship with Pablo? I met Pablo once at uh, Pablo Correa's farm, another Pablo that was very big and yep. an associate of Pablo's. And uh, I worked with Pablo's uh, partners, Negro Galeano, Pablo Correa. I moved a lot of his merchandise. Lewis, I feel like I've watched like a lot of like too many, maybe too many TV shows, but is there any moment, I mean, 25 years, you would have met some very dangerous men, including yourself. You would have been dangerous yourself at the time. Is there any time that you really, you know, you thought you've actually feared for your life or you came so close, close to death or anything? A few times, you know, uh, once in Mexico, and I picked up and almost got thrown into the crocodiles. Once in Venezuela, when we were ID'd and we had to hightail out of Margarita by water, I was very scared. I knew that if we were caught in Venezuela at that particular moment, we'd be butchered. Yeah. Very scary situation. And the time I was uh, held in, in Colombia for almost a month. And uh, I really thought I wasn't going to come out of that one. Yeah. Absolutely. You were eventually arrested in uh, Venezuela in a dramatic arrest. Did you know they were on your tail or was it a complete surprise? How was the day that you eventually got arrested? I was told about the tail by a taxi driver. Then we left to Maracaibo and I thought I had shaken them, but uh, not so. Later on, I found out that they were tracking me via some other device. So that's why they mobilized the Maracaibo and picked me up. I was just about to cross the border. I was 
going to take a taxi and cross the border to Colombia in, in a matter of hours. And these guys picked me up at a, at a shop, you know, at a shopping center, mm-hmm. big shop. That, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Oh, was it? <laughs> Got ya. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're laughing at your incarceration. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> now, Lewis, I, I thought this... I was, uh, you know, scot-free. I thought I, I'm crossing the border in two hours. I'm out of here. Yeah, goodness. So it close to didn't freedom. exactly work out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Lewis, this is one thing I've always wanted to ask anyone that was, you know, involved with drugs as far as either, you know, producing or trafficking or anything like that. Now, is there a sense of guilt now that you're out of the game, but you, you, you know, you would definitely be aware of the deaths that are involved when it comes to people, you know, taking drugs and things like that. Is there any guilt that you had, a, you know, a part of that for 25 years that, you know, people get addictions and they, uh, you know, ruin their lives and, or, you know, essentially die. No, there's no guilt, no no guilt. There's a lot of sadness. Yep. There's sad because guilt, you know, how can some, you know, I did that for 25 years. You know, what am I going to be guilty every day? Yeah. I know, I knew it was a, 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 criminal business. I knew it was illegal. I did it in an honest way. That's why I'm alive, but it's sadness. Yeah. Sadness at the corrupt way that this whole thing is being handled, Mm. how it's totally abusive that the peasants that grow this coke make the least amount of money, that the cartels make it all. Uh, The Drug Enforcement Administration, you know, bless them. They're great people. I got to admit, personally, they're great people. But as an organization, the way they're going about it, it's sad. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of sadness around Mm -hmm. this whole thing. Guilt. Yeah, okay. You know, uh, I'm very sad for myself. Yeah. I should have quit long time ago. But guilt, I mean, you know, I feel guilty for myself for being such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> put it that way. But I, I do feel sadness. Yeah. Sadness, yes. Hey, mate, it you, is sad that people die. You, yeah. Mate, you mentioned uh, the, the money side of things and the cartels. What was your biggest haul of cash that you made? And what was the biggest amount of kilos that you, you sort of trafficked in one hit? The biggest amount was probably about 5000 and the biggest hit of cash was probably maybe we $15 million. $15 million and five, five ton of cocaine. Well, wow. yeah, but that, you know, that was $15 million that I was splitting with my partner. Yeah, of course. You know, it wasn't all me. No, no. How, how do you move, how do you but, move um, that many ton of cocaine? What was your method? Well, at the end, we were using freighters. Mm. Yeah. You know, I remember, I went from, you know, fast boats to airplanes and to, to freighters. Yeah, okay. Hey, mate, you got five years prison. Did you feel like you got a bit of a light sentence? Like five years uh, in Australia, sometimes you get five years for, for not a lot. Sometimes you get it for a fair lot. You've, you've you know, dealt a lot of drugs yeah. in five years. Was that a fair sentence? It was fair for what was happening at the time. The yeah. major, major uh, cartel leaders had already started negotiations with the American government, the DEA mostly, yep. on how to get their sentences reduced. And they had meetings in Panama in reference to all this. So there was already an air of cooperation. In the end, this is a business to us. We don't, you know, swear a blood oath. We're not part of the Jacuzzi or... Some secret organization. This is a business. Yep. As cartel leaders started to negotiate with the U.S. government on reduced sentences, that was the atmosphere okay. I was caught up in. Right. That's when they arrested me. These options were on the table. So I took it as a business negotiation and 
that's what I negotiated. Yeah. So where, where did you spend your five years? And was it uh, like a maximum security prison or was it uh, you know, somewhere uh, off to the side a little bit? Well, the, the, when you're picked up and you're not sentenced, you get sent to the uh, federal detention center. That's like a maximum security prison. Yep. Once you're sentenced and they classify you as a violent guy or a nonviolent guy, if you have 10 years or 40 years, I got sent to um, prison in central Florida, which was a very nice place. Yep. It wasn't a camp, but it wasn't a penitentiary. Okay. Right. So you have people there that had 10 years, 20 years, and then people that have 30 and more, they go up to a medium. Yep. And then there's the penitentiary. So I can't complain a lot of time to myself, read, sports, lost weight, played the drums. Yeah, mate, we got to leave it there, but that was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Your story was amazing. Pure Narco tells the story of Luis Navia, the Biggest cocaine trafficker in America in American history and is available now at all good bookstores, mate. Thank you so much. Uh, privilege to chat to you this morning. Likewise. Thank you. You all have a great, great day. You thank too, you. Lewis. Bye. You too, mate. Cheers. Bye. On Hit 92.9.